1: Eight hours of predictions like the mothership did with every writer on the site. It's just Chris and I doing WWE WrestleMania, NXT TakeOver predictions, reviews of Raw and SmackDown. Chris, this weekend, (laughs) as as, as listeners know, I am an alum of the University of Virginia, and I have decided that I am going to be flying out to Minneapolis for the Final Four. So, (laughs) Saturday and Monday, I have potentially basketball Friday and Sunday, and then Monday and Tuesday, somehow I have to watch all this wrestling. Am I going to be able to do it?
0: I don't know. I I mean, I feel like (laughs) at a certain point, Jeff, you're going to be banking on summaries, right? We have 21 matches here to predict between the NXT card, which has right now five matches on it and the WrestleMania card, which has 16. So, Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it's intended for you to watch every single match. I don't know that anyone's going to watch all 21 matches in their entirety. Even if you're at the stadium, you're probably going to be missing a match or two, getting food, getting concessions, using the bathroom, being a human, that sort of thing.
1: You know what's interesting is there's absolutely no buzz for the Raw and SmackDown after Mania this year because all the call-ups have been happening over the past two months. So there's absolutely no drama to that. I, I find that a little interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest story going to this WrestleMania is what's the weather going to be.
0: What do you think the weather is going to be?
1: <laughs> I think it may rain on everybody. I'm uh,
0: metaphorically or literally?
1: Oh no, literally. Uh, I am. I, I take that back. I mean, the overarching theme for Mania here just looking at the stories is there's three big stories where they've kind of built up. The baby faces have to win. And I don't think they're going to cash in on two of them. Maybe all three, but I'm I'm fairly certain of that. Um, another thing to keep in mind when, when predicting, and I, I, I failed to tell you this, Chris. Um, oh, well, that was nice of you. WWE's. Well, I mean, I thought you might know, but I don't want to seem foolish. Uh, <laughs> But between this and the next WWE pay per view, which is Money in the Bank in May, is a Saudi Arabia show.
0: Oh, good! The Saudi Arabia show. So that
1: could have. Mm. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, John Oliver had a bit of a takedown of the WWE on last week tonight on HBO. Both Chris and I watched it. I basically went over everything in my analysis when the TV deal went down about unionization and why I didn't think it would work. That's on the uh, AMA episode um, from last year in May, I believe. Uh, I retweeted it. I'll probably retweet again. If you can't find it, ask me. I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, John Oliver's expose, I guess?
0: Yeah, I think it's coming from a good place. However... I wonder how into wrestling John Oliver really is. I was struck by his selection of what he likes about professional wrestling. And it wasn't, you know, like really stiff suplexes or King's Road or anything like that. It was hardcore wrestling and the stuff that became really in vogue in the late 1990s and kind of got overdone to the point of excess and injury In the early 2000s. And I think maybe perhaps some of why John Oliver cares about this subject matter is he's starting to feel a little bit guilty for being a fan of that type of wrestling. I think what he made a compelling case for, if not unionization, is accountability on Vince McMahon. That Vince McMahon is in the unique position as essentially the industry leader to set the terms for how things are for employees and wrestlers across the entire business. And so a lot of times people who are not in favor of unionization say, you know, things like, well, industry and business and, you know, the people who run the industry have a vested interest in taking care of the worker and and doing things to make sure things are in alignment. And I, I think in the case of WWE... Uh, that has not always been right, and, and you see some of the end results of, of a number of wrestlers, and, and the company could do a better job on them. I don't know if unionization is right. I, I don't know if they should join SAG. Um, I, I don't know enough about like the stuntmen's Union or the Screen Actors Guild specifically to say if they're the right type of union or if they'd be better off making their own union, but I do think that the current status quo sucks and something needs to change.
1: Well, I I, I think I, I, most of my rant on on the AMA was about how most guys would probably end up making less money being members of SAG because they just kind of reduce them to like day players instead of paying them a salary, and and then go and then go and say okay, get enough hours for SAG health because we don't care about that. I you know what I I think they'd be better off making their own union, but at the same time, as as I said on my AMA. If the government comes in, and, you know, basically they can unionize, but somebody's going to have to draw up ground rules on regulation, and always in these types of cases, they always go to the companies that are in business to write the regulations for themselves. So I, I you know, I, it's a double-edged sword to me. Yeah, on the other Watching show, we called this
0: regulatory I, capture.
1: You know, I mean, I I used the example of uh, Upton Sinclair in the jungle, and how the meatpacking plants... You know, it, it forced regulation in the meat packing plants. But then the government goes, well, we don't really know what you guys do. So they all the giant meatpacking plants came in and goes, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of all these rules, wrote all the rules and then shut out all the all all their competitors from being on the Grove. So, you know, I, I could see Vince really screwing over a lot of smaller wrestling companies if somehow this had to be regulated.
0: That's actually the story of what I'm, happened I'm at my by... old job. So, like, what you are painting is a thing that happens yeah. all the time. Uh, my, my old business, which was the the old company I was at, they ended up writing all the national legislation, or having a really active hand in writing all the legislation for what goes on with captioning now. And... As you can imagine, they wrote it, and it was written in such a way that, lo and behold, it advantaged that company.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's. This is the story you know, of business. It, this, is, a... this
0: is what happens. Um, because someone has to write the industry regulation, and it's usually members of the industry. I, I mean, the alternate way that this could go about is they could go to the wrestlers, but then, you know, think about some of your favorite wrestlers now, right? <laughs> Are those
1: people necessarily... No, I know right? who doesn't. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett makes all the regulations. <laughs> in wrestling.
0: Do you want double J writing the regulations?
1: Oh, you know that would happen. You know he somehow he'd be the guy to write everything. Um, I, I,
0: I, I <laughs> he would, he would somehow end up it'd be like him with Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schubert and Jeff Jarrett in the middle smoking a cigar.
1: I just distrust whether or not John Oliver was being honest about being a fan of wrestling rather than kind of being a,
0: I, I think he has writers who are. I don't know. I, again, I don't know if it was like I liked wrestling back in college, and, and maybe that's what he means to say when he says I like wrestling.
1: Well, his style for for the story is they get an idea and then they assign researchers and writers to do it, and then he kind of he kind of punches up things. I I'd be I'll tell you something. I'd be very interested in his thoughts on John Stewart doing things for the WWE. Because of the Daily Show connection,
0: yeah. Well, and you know, has Jon Stewart done anything with WWE since they started doing the Saudi Arabia shows?
1: I thought he made an appearance on on a show. I I, I do. D- did he?
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm sure. Not, I, I, I don't I know. That 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 yeah. would be interesting because I think that would maybe perhaps stand in tension with some of the stuff he's done for New York City Post nine eleven.
1: Yeah. I, I I just think I think he. John Stewart doing this would be a little bit worse than John Oliver doing it, in my opinion. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of leery of trusting because cause some of the jokes were in very bad taste for a guy who really likes wrestling. Um, if he really liked it, he'd know to kind of avoid the Eddie Guerrero early death type of stuff and really. Fo- I mean, he'd he'd have gotten a guy to me like Brandon Thurston who could quote economics. And and profit margins and things like that and really go hardcore into the economics of labor and corporate. And this was more – it felt like one of those yellow books for dummies.
0: There was not enough numbers. I'm with you. Like, I think that the takedown of WWE, if you want to go after how they are taking care of their employees or the, their independent contractors or lack of taking care of their independent contractors, is to scale – payroll as best as you can ballpark it to profits of this company and sort of make this case of like are these guys really getting paid what they're worth or are they being taken care of what their value really is to this company and the bottom line of this company. Um I I don't know I don't know what the numbers case looks like when you flesh it out like that, but as you were saying, someone like Brandon Thurston probably does.
1: Yeah, and it's also I mean, they want to still be a comedy show, so they wanna get their, you know, put the clown nose on before doing taking it off and doing deep dive information. I'm not sure I'm not sure John Oliver is the uh man for the job. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I I thought the going back to humiliation clips of Vince McMahon was actually kind of counterproductive yes. to the rhetorical framing that he was trying to go for. The idea of like, oh, look, he's getting a form of comeuppance, and and the point is, no, it's not. It's all within this controlled universe, you jackass.
1: Yeah, and I, you know what? Oddly enough, I thought I thought the clips of Jesse Ventura were probably the the ones that helped this case the most.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I and if he went through the Jesse Ventura stuff, I, I mean, like, the, there's where the story gets kind of interesting. I I don't. I don't think the homework was done in a thorough enough yeah. way to make that maximally effective. I, it's not that I don't think that there's a case to be made. And as I said at the upfront, I think the status quo sucks. So if we're, if we're starting from that premise, okay, cool, then we can have this interesting discussion. But you've got to make, one, a case for why the status quo sucks and, and then lead that into your pitch to what your proposed alternative is. And I don't know that he necessarily made all of the legwork there.
1: Yeah, it felt like it felt like people did like cursory Google searches and did enough research just to seem you know intelligent about it.
0: Right, right. And and then then of course as you're pivoting into they still have this um really really troubling, more troubling than the last time we discussed it, relationship with Saudi Arabia and this Government of murderers. I, I'm I'm not going to mince words about it. I'm not speaking for Jeff. I'm speaking for me. But uh, yeah, I I think MES is a murderer.
1: I I think. All sides are murderers there. It's just you have to take the lesser of whatever murderers you want.
0: Um, okay, well, I mean, they're doing business with Saudi Arabia. So I, I, when you say all sides, are we saying WWE is Oh, no, no, in, in
1: Saudi Arabia. It doesn't matter who yeah. you put in there. Sure, Sh- sure. Somebody's sure, yeah, getting no, murdered in Saudi Arabia. I just... <laughs> Again,
0: you don't have to do business with murderers. I, I That's an elective choice, and I, I choose to look dimly on that.
1: That's fine. I, I, I do not mind the opinion, and I don't mind, you know, I... I, I think we, we've, we've debated this quite a bit in terms of my transactional nature versus not having an opinion. But I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, everything about W, but everything about WWF since the 80s has been problematic for me. I didn't like their wrestling. And then Vince is covering up the Snooker murder. I mean, they didn't even get to that part. They didn't even get into the things like the Zahorian trial, the,
0: the, you know. How about the DX stuff? I, I mean, the fact that not you know they did the Nation of Domination skit, right? But it's not just that they did it that one week; it's that they continued to revisit that as like a highlight of like great comedy and what we did in the Attitude Era for years after. For years after, they kept showing the clips of Hunter and the rest of DX in blackface.
1: Yeah, I, and and Vince dropped... I mean, look, I. I the the John Cena skit they showed with, with Vince was problematic. I think they framed it a little.
0: You know what they did dig up that was useful though, was the clip the interview clip where Vince really loses his mind. Yeah, on the Armand Contain
1: right? clip.
0: Yeah. They yeah, I know that that one's one of the most damning pieces of video footage that Vince McMahon has out in the public Dude, record. That, it makes him look like a complete and total ass. And that's HBO, and French that's kid.
1: HBO and they had the rights to it. The, what they couldn't get the right to was the uh, Bob Costas stuff, I think. Which is even in worse light. Um, one more quick news bite here. The AAF has folded. It's uh it's of relevance to WWE fans because guess who wants to buy some of the assets of the AAF?
0: That's... This is going to go well. Oh
1: god. He is gonna lose his his butt on, on this. This episode. is not gonna
0: be like last time. There is no it can't possibly be like last time. The year's different.
1: I, I will give give it this. The XFL is better planned because they're doing the planning before putting the product out there as the AAF rushed the product out there, but nobody wants to watch third-string third, third string pros, basically. Fourth-string pros, even. It, it's just... it, And plus, they're in major league cities, and I think, as I went over, also, when, when we were going over this, college towns was a good idea, but even in college towns, they didn't come out for the football, so... I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a money loser, but the money winner is everything going on WWE this weekend in New York City, which I had no interest in going to because I don't like New York City. But um yeah, if if you like wrestling, you're gonna get a lot of it this weekend. You're gonna get a lot of shows, a lot available on streaming services, that, that eight plus hour preview from the voices flagship going through every show over the weekend is for you. I've done a lot of these indie things and by the time you get to Tuesday you're tired. You don't now get, I mean like Dallas was really the last year, Chris, I think you'll agree with this where you got guys killing themselves every show to knock it out of the park as opposed to just trying to book five or six different shows over the weekend and do kind of a kind of a Hey, wrestling's great, isn't it? Thumbs up, pinfall.
0: Even the little divey indie show I went to at the VFW after WrestleMania, they were really trying their asses off. I also got to meet Jake the Snake, which was cool.
1: Oh, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, no, it was cool. We were standing in the lobby, and they were replaying the Dean Ambrose match, and Jake was just standing in the lobby there, and he and I like stood and watched a little bit of Dean Ambrose's match. Was he fighting Seth Rollins that year? Am- or no, that was the match against Brock Lesnar. Yes. That was the underwhelming match against Brock Lesnar, and Jake, uh, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, but Jake just was saying some like basic comments about how Dean needed to work on this and that. That sort of thing. But it was cool. I got to have my little moment with Jake the Snake Roberts, which was exciting for young Chris.
1: That, that Dallas WrestleMania, I mean, everything was so compact together. you just run into guys. I mean, I ran into Zack Sabre Jr. on the street, and nobody knew who he was. You know, it, it, was such a, it was such a fun, fun time, and I just I think it's gotten a little bit too big at times it's hard to get that kind
0: of feeling in new york city i think yeah dallas is a big city but it's also you know as you were saying the way it was set up it was fairly compact and because everything's accessible by train too and there's really only the one train your odds of running into people along the path are just much more likely and
1: plus the best food of any venue i've ever been to was in dallas
0: Oh, boy, that barbecue was awesome. The, that the, that was that was surprisingly good barbecue. The
1: brisket nachos were to die for. Um, but we are going to New York City. We're going to do previews of both WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver. I don't think there's going to be many more changes to the cards. We're assuming that there's going to be a Raw tag team title match, so we're including that in our rundown. I don't know if they're going to make any changes to NXT. But, Chris, I am at your mercy. We will wrap up or we will wrap in or fold in anything that happened on Raw and SmackDown into our previews. But there's so many matches, so little time for people to listen. Let's get going.
0: Let us begin with the Battle Royals, then. How about that? Get them out of the way. So let's start with the Women's Battle Royal. There's a bunch of women in here. Entrants include Carmella, Asuka, Naomi, Lana, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, Mickey James, Zelina Vega, Razor Ramon, and many others.
1: <laughs> you're going to have every single woman from the NXT roster who is not involved in TakeOver in this as well. Much like last year, I think you're also going to get a quote-unquote NXT cheap pop spot for the women of NXT. Um, I think you're probably going to have, you might have some people who are on takeover from the women's side in this thing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Maybe even another appearance by, uh, Zia Lee again. I, you know, here. your
1: Zia the, the Kavita, or the, the, the giant Indian woman that, uh, yes, like right, sure. Uh, you might get Bianca Belair back in here. You might get the horse women, uh, 2.0 in here uh, i <laughs> here, here's what you're gonna get you're gonna get mandy and sonya probably splitting up again you're going to have in this women's battle royal you're going to have um oscar naomi teased to win i think lacey evans wins this uh that's okay that's sure a, that's sure new, and that's
0: how we launch her
1: yeah the giant tag team match, mixed tag team match, the only thing out of that is in the lead up to that. If there's ever a mixed match match challenge three, Asuka and Otis Dozovich are the team I never knew I needed until I watched those two interacting backstage, and now I can think of nothing else. In fact, I want to fire Tucker Knight and put Asuka in heavy machinery now. <laughs> Yeah, I I think they te- they te- they tease Naomi to sate her complaints from Twitter. They tease Asuka, but Lacey but Lacey Evans wins this. There you go. There you go.
0: Victor, Connor, Ali, Shelton Benjamin, Luke Gallus, Carl Anderson, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Otis, Tucker, and EC3, and many more. But right now, those are the confirmed entrants. Uh, I don't have any strong inclinations towards this, so I'm just going to go with Braun Strowman because I don't think it really matters who wins.
1: So the past couple of years in this battle royal, they've always had one kind of surprise and they've always had a guy from NXT that they sneak in here to make a debut. They This is where they kind of debuted Braun St- or not Braun Strowman, but uh, uh, Baron Corbin originally. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: So I am thinking, I'm thinking possibly Lars Sullivan is reintroduced here in the battle royal. That would royal. be interesting. Yeah, I think okay. the, I think the Big Show is the special guest to get a pop, and he gets eliminated by Lars Sullivan. But Braun Strowman has to win this thing. They're going to tell the story of the Mike of the Saturday Night Live guys. I think the Saturday Night Live guys help Braun Strowman. They kiss and make up, and then Braun throws him over for the for the cheap win, although he does it very gingerly in a way. Or they eliminate themselves. Because I do not think actors are going to be touched by wrestlers unless they know it's 100% safe. So I think it's going to be a self-removal on their parts, much like Drew Carey in the Royal Rumble. Um, But Braun Strowman has to to win this. Has
0: to. Yeah. Yeah, he has to. I I mean... I will leave like a five percent for somehow Michael Che and slash or Colin Jost to end up winning this, and that sets up more antics for next year's WrestleMania or something. Some stupid thing to keep them on TV. I mean, if they did that NBC type things. if
1: they did that, they'd Braun Strowman would be such a geek after that if they somehow tricked, you know,
0: it'd be like Shane McMahon winning Best of the World, right?
1: god you've made the point i can't <laughs> i can't i just can't oh the night of four way and three ways is on after that where do we want to go tag team matches
0: well do you want to do i have cruiserweight championship up next here i, I don't think i'm in sequential order i will but you let you right i will now? let
1: you run the show then i apologize
0: okay no, that's fine. That's fine. Cruiserweight Championship. We have Buddy Murphy versus Tony Nice. We have had an interesting build. We basically kind of followed the arc I was talking about with Tony Neese. A little bit of a redemption story with Tony Neese. Will Tony Neese pull the trigger, climb the mountain, whatever metaphor you like on Buddy Murphy?
1: The only way I see Tony Neese winning this match is if Buddy Murphy is not long for 205 Live. And I think Buddy Murphy is going to stay in 205 Live, and I think they'll eventually probably put Johnny Gargano on this show. There's been rumors of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Tony Nese is here for the New York pop, and he'll get it from the quarter of the crowd that's in there. Look, don't sleep on this not being the best match of the night because they always tear it down in the pre-show. Always. Every match I've seen of the Cruiserweight Championship,
0: Two oh five live matches at WrestleMania are good matches. They're
1: great matches. I mean, they are. I mean, that Aries Neville one stole the show awesome. in Orlando. Yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah. But I, I think this is Buddy Murphy, and it's pretty easy. Buddy Murphy, judging from the highlights of the Go Home show on two oh five. Looks like Nice got the upper hand in a beatdown, so yeah. Uh, my- oh, did he? Okay.
0: Yeah. I-, I did not see 205 live, so I did not see Nice get the upper hand there. So then I guess I am with you. I think Buddy Murphy retains. Although I like the idea of a babyface Tony Nice as the champion to kind of freshen things up, but we've discussed this in the past. I, If I had to bet, I put my money on Murphy. Um, So let's go next to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. This was sort of announced tonight. Story being, because the Usos deferred to the New Day last week in the Tag Team Gauntlet match and forfeited their match, Alexa Bliss delivering punishment, presumably on behalf of the McMahon clan, Um, has put the Usos into a four-way match versus Ricochet and Aleister Black, who will be having a match at NXT TakeOver that we'll talk about a little bit later on, The Bar, and Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, I think that the Usos end up retaining their titles here. Uh, The only kind of alternative version of events I could come up with is that we're gonna do a big goldening of Ricochet and Alistair Black here, and they're going to be both the SmackDown champions and the NXT champions, and they're gonna be really strong coming out of Mania. Uh, otherwise, I think the Usos retain.
1: Let me bring up a point I have yet to bring up on Shake Them Ropes because I keep forgetting it's always the one that I want to do in the cleanup, and I've forgotten it the past two weeks. Chris, they've added sound effects to Alistair Black's entrance music when he comes up on the uh, on the uh, ramp. It's the sounds of a coffin opening slash closing, if you've heard the creaking and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's ridiculous. It's just yeah. absolutely ridiculous that they did that. Uh, I have I have a strange theory about this one, and it ties into who I think is going to win the Raw Tag Team title match. I think the Usos retain here. I think Aleister Black and Ricochet lose at NXT TakeOver. I think they... L- I think they possibly get screwed here, and then I think they win the Raw Tag Team titles on Monday night. But I think the Usos, uh, but I think the Usos retain here.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and we'll see what happens with Ricochet and Alistair Black. But I, I'm with you now. I'm connecting these dots. Okay, okay. The rumored
1: Raw Tag Team title match on WrestleMania. Let's do that.
0: The rumored Raw tag team title match on WrestleMania is The Revival versus Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins looking to beat the streak here or break the streak. He's got this losing streak that's well into the 200s at this point. Will he be able to pull it off here at WrestleMania? I almost think yes, considering how badly and how afterthought-ish, the revival have been booked. But I wouldn't be surprised if your plan came to pass where this is a quick transitional championship run for Ryder and Hawkins who end up losing it the next night.
1: I'm angry about so much of this if this comes to fruition because they're paying off a story they started to build and then did nothing with it except put it on this show. I don't know what to think. I, 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 I want to know what Zach Ryder feels. Because his dream was always to be in WWE. Not just be a professional wrestler, but WWE. And this would be the second time in four years, or three years, if no, four years because there's New Orleans. Where he gets a one-day title run. And it's almost like a rib on Zack Ryder. But at the same time, titles don't mean anything anymore. Wins and losses don't really matter. It's making money that's important to a lot of these guys. But I wonder if he's hurt by that at all. I, I don't know, but, yeah, I think Zack Ryder is getting another one-day title run like he did with the Intercontinental title.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really the only thing I can come up with here. Um, And I think the Revival lose their title. They they had a good match on Raw this week. Uh, I thought that this was actually a pretty decent little Revival match.
1: Yeah, well, I thought it was a precursor to putting Ricochet and Aleister Black against the Revival at, at Mania. And to blow it off. But I think what they're going to do is so maybe put the they on. face
0: the revival. OK, so they're never actually going to face the revival for the titles, because that would be the other thing is maybe on the Monday after WrestleMania. Now, the revival face Ricochet and Aleister Black in a rematch, and then they lose the titles.
1: Well, as you know, there's no automatic rematch clause. So that what I was saying is the way they get around that is Hawkins and Ryder win for a day. they. They put them in the match against uh, Black and Ricochet, and then the Revival chase for a little bit.
0: Okay, sure, sure. So it's then...
1: ridiculously stupid, but yeah. You
0: know. <laughs> so then we have Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin in a match that will probably be brief and most likely will result in John Cena coming out and facing off with Kurt Angle again. I don't really have meaningful predictions for this. I almost think Kurt Angle wins this match, that John Cena does the job, but then I could also see Angle going, no, you're John Cena, I want to do one last job for John Cena, I want to go out the same way you came in. So, it doesn't really matter, there's no stakes. This is kind of a sad end to Kurt Angle's awesome, awesome, awesome career. Don't remember him like this, guys. Go back and watch some of his good stuff.
1: Well, a couple of fascinating things happened this week. They didn't do... Angles match against Ray on on Raw that was right. Advertised. Yeah, they did the Ray versus Baron Corbin match, but it looked like Ray and There's rumors that Ray may have injured himself during that match. John Cena has not had a match announced for Mania, but I thought the move would be to pay off the Cena Undertaker match that they kept teasing last year. That they really kind of eh, you know, just Tombstone and whatever he walked off, but Undertaker wasn't announced during this entire build. So I think that's off. I don't think Cena takes Corbin's place here. I think there's a possibility we get Samoa Joe versus John Cena. I think this is going to be quick. I think they know that Kurt Angle just can't do the matches that Kurt Angle is trying to talk them into telling him that he can do. This is quick. I think Corbin wins, and because uh, we had the uh, we had the feel good moment of the ankle lock uh, to to end that that angle on Raw. So I think Kurt lays down on this one.
0: Interesting, and it also might not actually be the end of Kurt Angle's career here.
1: I kind of hope it is.
0: I hope it is too, but I don't know. The way this story has been told has been so odd yeah the build has felt hollow and lacks a certain sense of finality and reverence that you would normally have for yeah, someone on their way out
1: it feels like you were a longtime player and we thought you were good but we'd never thought you were great that's the run that he's getting here he's getting a I mean, it's not as bad as Christian on his last run.
0: It's funny. Christian was almost the comp that I was going to come up with, though.
1: Yeah, it's more like half a step above, like almost. I I think this would kind of be the kind of end that Edge would get if Edge had been able to continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, Although, maybe somewhere between those two. I yeah. actually think Edge might have been better taken care of. Mm-hmm. So then we have The Miz versus Shane McMahon. Falls count anywhere. The Miz continues to buff up. Tonight, Jeff, he managed to defeat the entire faction of Sanity, all by him's lonesome, despite the odds ever changing. It does lead me to believe that Shane McMahon is going to end up defeating The Miz here by severe crookening uh, by hook and by crook.
1: So this is the reality show match. Because The Miz, they've been pushing Miz and Maurice very hard on and doing
0: So job. hard that it ended up closing out this episode of SmackDown. So while Kofi Kingston was talking and delivering this very important promo for one of our go-home angles, we have the counter for Miz and Mrs. on the screen starting one forty-five out to the end of the episode.
1: No matter what you think. WWE thinks Shane McMahon is a star, and that guys get the rub just by being in a program with Shane McMahon. One of my greatest calls ever in Shake Them Ropes history was the prediction for the first AJ Styles versus uh, Shane McMahon match, and I, I said Shane would win that. Uh, actually, no, I was thinking. Never mind, I was thinking of AJ Styles versus Chris Jericho, and saying that that a newly newly minted AJ Styles would get beat by Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho's a company guy. So never mind, Jeff, you're going off on a tangent. Mark that for edit if you'd like, Chris. Oh. No, no, I, <laughs> I, you were just trying to blow your own
0: horn there and you got lost in the melody. That's I know, okay. I got lost These in things my, happen. I got
1: hoisted by my own petard there. That was kind of cute. Um, I think there's still the possibility of them having a rematch in Saudi Arabia where Shane McMahon is a big star. I think somebody's falling off of something very tall here. I just don't know if it's going to be Shane or The Miz in this newfound thing, but since The Miz won a three-on-one beatdown, I think Shane McMahon wins this.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. After he has been beating everyone in the world, I think that this is all just a big setup for Shane winning this match.
1: And I am Uh, thoroughly turned off by calling his father potato face because I can see Vince looking at a picture of mrs father and saying look at him his face looks like a potato (laughs) i i I am turned off by it i am i am absolutely turned off by i think you know it's false count anywhere so somebody can get involved maybe a bray wyatt maybe sanity everybody's at their disposal so why not cheat to win
0: Yeah, and certainly I think at some point we will see some abuse of The Miz's father or perhaps some comeuppance on Shane from The Miz's father. But I think in the last episode we were kind of talking, maybe this means The Miz wins with the help of his dad. Now after this, I tend to think The Miz does not win. I think he ends up coming up short because he just got so heavily booked tonight. In
1: a perfect world, this would be the blow-off for Shane's character on TV, and he'd get a goodbye. But we know that's yeah, not going to happen. That would be cool.
0: But no, it's not going to be over. Yeah. No. No. He's still got more left in the tank than Kurt Angle does at this point. Um. So they're not gonna they're not going to shut him down just yet. Then we have the women's tag team championship match with Sasha Banks and Bayley versus Beth Phoenix and Natalya versus Nia Jax and Tamina Snuka versus the Iconics. This is an interesting match. You know, Sasha Banks and Bayley have not been champions for very long, have not had any real high-profile title matches. This four-way does not really give them a great vehicle with which to showcase themselves. And I'm kind of dubious about what the work is going to look like on this because... I've got at least four people in this match who I have questions about how they're going to be able to perform during the course of this match. Um, Who do I think is going to come out the winner here? I am going to say Sasha and Bailey Retain. I don't think they want to do anything big because this is going to be kind of buried in the middle of the show.
1: Watching that eight-woman tag match, the only two people I want to see work are Bailey and Beth Phoenix, and that's scary. Sasha Banks, oh,
0: man, Sasha Banks was rough on Monday. Boy, that she, did not go great for her.
1: She is suffering from wanting to impress too much. And so she's come, trying to do these convoluted, heavily choreographed spots that I, I could see. She's trying to
0: be Grand Metalik at times. Yeah. And it's not working out for her. She
1: wants to be Eddie Guerrero. And I get it. Yeah, I yeah get that it, too. That too. But... I think this would just serve its purpose being a well-worked match with, you know, three teams. I mean, with Sasha and Bailey working from underneath against two heel teams and a team that can act heelish in Natty and Beth Phoenix. Um, I think with the women headlining the show, I think someone's asking to do a spot that's beyond their comprehension. I don't know who it is. I'm guessing it's probably Sasha. My joke was she wants to jump off a balcony onto somebody. But I'm gonna be a little weird here. I'm. This is one of those. What is Jeff thinking in his logic? I think with the winner take all. And thank God they they figured out what winner take all means. I think. Um. Because Vince could go. No, it just means the winner is the winner. Not that he she has all the belts. Um, but I do think they're going to use this as an opportunity to unite the two singles women's titles and put it on one show. And I think they're going to take the tag team titles and put it on the other show. So I think the Iconics win this. And I think, I think everybody has a hissy fit on the internet when it happens, but I think it's the way to get the tag team titles onto the SmackDown side. Bailey and Sasha probably get moved over there in the superstar shakeup later this month. And I think that's how they. Yeah,
0: do. that's certainly one way to get there. The Iconics are a team that I've been looking to get the straps at some point here, and this wouldn't be the worst place in the world to do that.
1: I don't, and, I and I'm want, with you. I want more legitimacy for the tag team titles, but I don't. No, think the I think Sasha and
0: Bailey it. need to. They need to actually, you know, have meaningful title defense matches. But like, look, we're looking at WrestleMania, the high profile show of the year, and we have this four way match with a team in Nia Jax and Tamina, Snuka that really has. No business being on a WrestleMania card in a title match, right? Not yeah. for the women's tag team titles. Like they haven't shown any degree of ability to carry along for a long floor match like this at all this year.
1: You, you know what this is? This is us wishcasting AJ Styles and Nakamura being a great match at Mania when all it is is a setup for an angle where he gets kicked in the balls.
0: Well, I don't know that we're wish casting <laughs> here. I, I think we've actually discussed this as like what are they trying to do with these titles in relevance or in relation to what they're doing in the main event. They're just a story. I, I I I have no delusions that this is going to be great.
1: Oh no, but but I think I think Bailey and Sasha and the Revival both want to make these titles great by having great matches and they get to do that on house shows and things like that, but once it's on T V, it's a plot device and you're just trying to get it to the next characters who will make it a little interesting.
0: Next, we have the United States Championship, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. This is a match you might have forgotten about is occurring. I am not thinking Rey Mysterio is winning the title here. I think Samoa Joe is going to hang on to this belt, and I think he'll probably make relatively short order of Rey Mysterio. Well, there's...
1: An X factor involved here too, in that Dominic. Oh, that
0: injury! Well, oh, Dominic and Dominic too
1: is involved in this match somehow. Uh, if it goes off like this, um, and you don't know because earlier today it was supposed to be Rey Mysterio versus Andrade for uh, on SmackDown, and they got you know shuffled, and uh, Ray Ray wasn't in that sixteen-person tag, was he?
0: No, it was announced that he had an ankle injury during his match on Raw against Corbin.
1: Hmm.
0: So that's yet another thing that might get shuffled around here. So
1: if the match goes off as planned, Samoa Joe wins because Dominic turns on him, or turns on Ray, I think, or...
0: Yeah, or maybe Dominic starts getting mentored by Samoa Joe, and that's kind of how we're going to set this up.
1: Or he gets mad at Joe and comes in, and, and Ray gets DQ'd, and then... Samoa Joe destroys his son in front of Rey Mysterio, and this program continues. But I, I don't see Rey taking Particularly the belt, after
0: but... the ankle injury, I, I don't think they have any interest in parking any hardware on Rey Mysterio if he can't you know work week in, week out. You'd rather have some flexibility with the guy.
1: If this is a legit injury, John Cena takes his place, and Joe still retains, I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and now it's just it's the same character over and again and there's been no character development on the demon Jeff I don't understand what Bauer's relationship is with the demon he never really talks about it I mean, he's like, "Oh, I needed to reach down deep inside to bring the demon out for this match. Why? Why not bring it out every match? What? What? What is the impetus? I, there needs to be more interplay here to get me remotely interested in this demon character.
1: The the demon could have been one of those cool lucha underground type stories that would really expand the WWE's out of the box thinking. I mean, I had plenty of. I mean. I, I, Let Matt
0: Hardy play around with these ideas. Let yes. him think about what the demon is about.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, do something. Uh, you know, with, with their short films, things. I had an idea to use the demon to turn Bailey heel at one time. It, it, it's it's an interesting concept. What it's become to me is, if you've ever seen the classic comedy Trading Places, it's it's the it's the cultural appropriation Dan Aykroyd on the subway. That's that's what it is to me. Every time I look at him, um, but the demon wins and the demon's undefeated, so the demon gets the intercontinental title. Um, you know, and and Lashley and, and Leo Rush move on to something else. Probably, yeah, maybe
0: we get the Lashley and Leo Rush split at that point. Maybe maybe Leo ends up costing Lashley the title here at WrestleMania. Maybe that's where we set the seeds for the breakup. Okay. Next, we have Triple H versus Batista, no holds barred. Triple H's career is on the line. And we remember how this angle began. We liked how this angle began with Batista coming and attacking Ric Flair on his 70th birthday. Great angle. Since then, it's been been a winding road. It, It certainly has been a winding road. There's been some blue sunglasses along the way. I think because Triple H's career is on the line, it is a dead giveaway that Triple H is going to win this match.
1: What an absolute waste of Batista. Yeah. What an absolute waste of Batista's gifts. I mean, I, I was just thinking about...
0: Give me what I want. Give me what I want. You get a big Hollywood actor to come in and say, give me what I want.
1: Heel Batista, when he was... In vests and pink polo shirts and other things. If you remember, you remember the I quit build for Cena where he had that spectacular line I'll be in the gym and you'll be busy hugging babies and kissing fat girls. And it's just like he comes out there and I could, I could feel the stage directions. They're writing this show and then they all of a sudden realize, oh crap. We're in Batista's hometown of Washington D.C. He may get cheered here, so we can't have him say anything. So we only have him say, "Hunter, kiss my ass." Come on, man! I wanted a heat promo from Dave here, hipster Dave, who just (laughs) his very essence just should ooze heel heat to people because, because, because that is L.A. He's from Hollywood. That's L.A. douchebag all there and he's getting these baby face pops and he's not saying much. This is the laziest triple H program ever. Th- this is, <laughs> this is as lazy as I've seen them do a program for triple H because triple H goes out there. He chooses scenery, dropping little, you know, breaking the smarty fourth wall jokes, right? Stuff. Yeah. He
0: breaks the fourth wink, wink stuff. It's kind of like what Cena does. And and he tries to get by, I'm being interesting by doing that. But man, if you didn't have that Ric Flair angle to start this whole thing off, this is deeply uninspired. It's Beyond it's, uninspired. It's
1: beyond uninspired because it's it's one of those things where Triple H would always and especially in the feuds when he was at his peak, he he, you know, he'd build it straight ahead. And you think the guy's going to get over. And then at the last second, he doesn't. The Booker T one is the most famous one where Hunter's dropping all this racial stuff. And then he pretends to agonize as he's getting the pin. You know, so he's like the baby face in the feud, which is utterly ridiculous. But this one, it was just after the Ric Flair beatdown, nothing. And I'm just like. What a waste Does Dave just want to come in and take it easy and do a walk brawl for five minutes? I think minutes? so.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that this is going to be a walk and brawl. Maybe he does a couple of moves in the ring to start things off, but I, I bet you they are just walking around and hitting each other with scenery.
1: But this whole story was he wanted this. this was, I mean, even outside, this was his dream. One last program, one last match with Triple H. You'd think this would be a much bigger deal. But, you know, it's like. The only lazier thing I've seen was when when Brock gave uh Dean nothing in that in that uh in the match in, in Orlando or was it Dallas? The the one that was where, in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, in Dallas
0: where he just sandbagged.
1: Yeah, this is the equivalent of sandbagging here and I just I just don't get it. I hated everything about this build other than the start of it. But uh boy, So next Hold on, we haven't chosen winners, Uh, did you?
0: Yeah, I did. I said that Triple H's career is on the line, which is to tell that Triple H is going to win this match.
1: Boy, I'd love to see a swerve here.
0: Where Batista somehow wins this match. Oh, God, and that would mean that the end of Triple H's career. But no, they got more Saudi Arabia shows, my dude. So, so long as the big cash cows still exist, I think Triple H is going to hang on. And Batista's not actually stipulated. He He doesn't have to stop wrestling or anything if he loses. That's true. So, next, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. We have had tensions building between these two in the form of AJ Styles keeps jumping into RKOs over and over (laughs) and over. And because of this, AJ Styles is very frustrated. He would sure like to change the course of events from getting RKO'd every time he goes for the Phenomenal Forum. Might I suggest the Calf Crusher? I think AJ Styles figures out a way to not get RKO'd into oblivion here at WrestleMania. I don't know how good this match is going to be because Randy Orton has been taking the last several months off from doing much of anything here in WWE. He's showing up, he's making dates, but uh, he is not necessarily having his working boots on week in, week out. And I don't know that this will be a huge exception.
1: This might be my least favorite build of all the matches on this show. I, because it hits every lazy trope that they use to get over guys that they didn't actually create. It's like you, you crap on the indies for a while. You say WWE is superior because you've been working mania for years. Oh, AJ, you're a blue collar hero. You get a, a shooty comment in there, which was the, uh, it's got uh, triple I mean, fa- Randy's drug like- tests. Yep. Ooh. Yeah. You know, nobody knows about that stuff other than us people in the bubble. What are, what are you doing doing that? What does that have to do with anything? You were here failing drug tests. Didn't make him lazy. Didn't make him a bad performer.
0: Oh, And what? it was never part of, like, the storyline either. So even if people want to price that in, where are they putting that into their timeline of WWE narrative?
1: You got the main event swear word in there calling AJ a corporate bitch. Um and then Ke- and then Kevin Owens who has been not utilized in anything here just walks off it's it's the stupid talk show thing which is just trash all the time i don't know look i it's funny the logical conclusion would be aj styles finds a way to win i don't know if that happens i think i think randy may RKO him again to build him up as the big heel for possibly a babyface Kofi run. I I think AJ should win here. I just have my doubts about this one. This is the one I have the most doubt about in terms of paying off the story that they're actually telling here. Because again, and also, babyface starts the fight. I'm... So, what is with all these babyfaces who are showing aggression but being actual jerks? That's what I don't get. I... I it happened on raw it happened here it's just it's it's well somewhere along
0: the way we lost the real or the new aj styles um storyline like that got buried in the middle of all of this too remember we were trying to find who the real aj styles was i don't know that we ever actually did that but now that's here we are
1: on paper this could steal the show Oh, it it could if Randy Orton shows
0: up and he's motivated. But I'm saying based off of what I've seen from Randy Orton over the last, you know, four or five months, I'm not holding out any hope for that.
1: I think AJ Styles has to win this. But if he doesn't, I'm just going to say he's a geek. I mean, it's it's he's he's past any marketable thing and he just resigned with the WWE. So, I mean. He'd have to be built back up on Raw, I think, in order to have any credibility anymore.
0: Next, we have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. I have, at various points, said I thought Drew McIntyre might win this match, but Drew McIntyre has been getting too much of the better of Roman during this build, and I was basing my prediction more off of what I was going to see this week, and this week, more Drew McIntyre gained the better of Roman Reigns. So I think Roman Reigns overcomes the odds and we have a feel good moment at WrestleMania where Roman Reigns stands victorious over a fallen Drew McIntyre. I think that this has the potential to be a pretty good match. I I actually, you know, people are saying A.J. Styles, Randy Orton. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre might severely outperform expectations.
1: If Drew gets to do a Somersault Tope again, which is always impressive. Yeah, this, this could be this is This match is going to be sneaky good, I think. Um, You know, Roman never does too much in terms of technical wrestling. He has Superman punches and drive-bys. He has his moves. but they're And he's got some
0: of his big match Roman moves, too, like his big power bombs and stuff, things that you see him dust off at the big shows.
1: Yeah, you need the feel-good moment. I think this is the feel-good moment. Roman wins here. And then I think Drew destroys him afterwards to keep the feud going
0: okay okay that makes sense because yeah i I like the idea of keeping drew strong coming out of this and that that's definitely one way to do it
1: let let me ask you this what are the chances dolph ziggler sneaks in and super kicks drew to help roman win
0: oh now that would be interesting is the comeuppance for drew mcintyre or even Mm. dean ambrose yeah, okay. Uh that's interesting. Maybe maybe you even have a little bit of run interference. Dean Ambrose makes the big save for Roman Reigns. That could be um, it too. Because yeah, Drew McIntyre has help in the form of Dolph Ziggler, something like that. That would be but, Dean's we,
1: goodbye. That would be Dean's goodbye to the WWE for now.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so uh, there's a number of different ways to do that, and that would actually probably be super well received. The Dean and Roman hugging in the ring after the match spot yeah. would be would be a big warm feelings moment for everybody. WWE Championship, Daniel Bryan, the champion, versus Kofi Kingston. Okay, I don't want to be a Billy Buzzkill, but I thought that this go-home promo buried the hell out of Kofi. Because what Daniel Bryan was saying during the course of that promo was a little too real and a little too on-the-nose. And then when it came time for Kofi to take it back and start, you know, getting some points up for himself, a few things happened. I mentioned the Ms. and Mrs. clock comes on and starts putting Kofi Kingston on a clock. This is our baby face. So that made him look kind of goofy. And then Xavier Woods and Big E making goofy, hammy faces behind Kofi Kingston while Kofi Kingston's trying to speak from the heart really undermined the Kofi character for me. Um, I I didn't think that in terms of what Kofi said either. It was really all that great with one exception, one actually fairly large exception because I did like this. I liked when he was talking about Daniel Bryan having success that he was dancing and hovering around the word I was jealous without ever actually saying the word jealous. That was very good and very powerful, but there was so much other shit going on with Biggie making faces and Xavier Woods and the clock at the bottom of the screen that too many many beats were missed along the way for this go-home promo to work for me because Daniel Bryan scored too many points.
1: I agree with everything you just said there, and you actually stole a bit of my thunder on, on this. Daniel Bryan's promo here was magnificent. It's possibly one of the best promos he's ever cut, in my opinion, because he was right. And he's and he's just he's absolutely burying Kofi here. Absolutely burying him.
0: This is an annihilation.
1: Yeah. And Kofi comes back, and you have Biggie basically shaking his pelvis all over the place like a
0: goofball. He's going to tell you now. Yeah. Like, and no, and shut, up, doing dude, that. Just shut up and let the man I'm, talk.
1: And Kofi, Kofi's promo came off as weak to me. I, yeah, this is a guy I'm watching this and he's kind of deepening his voice and he's doing the breath thing as if he's really angry. This is a guy who was practicing this promo in a mirror and he didn't have any feedback on how his delivery was. I've seen this as an actor. This is a guy who in his head thought he was coming off as angry, and he just he to me he was coming off as out of breath. And it and and the the his promo did not resonate for me. I could see this promo being so weak in Vince's eyes that they decide not to let Kofi win. Because my original pick here was because Daniel Bryan will not go to Saudi Arabia for Kofi Kingston to get a short run here with the title because they bring, they need to bring the title. They don't have to bring the title to Saudi Arabia, but I think they want to for another greatest Royal rumble where you have a lot of these types of matches and, and things. But I am, I am less convinced now than I was before SmackDown that Kofi Kingston's getting this title. And I thought that was the most sure thing on this show. Um,
0: I have been still rooting go. for Kofi, but yeah, yeah I, I after this, I dude, this was just a very weak promo. It he, was he, he it was uninspired. I, I hate using that word, but it lacked half. It lacked uh, it lacked oomph. it lacked emotional connection. As I said, the the part where he was hovering around the word jealous and never actually spit it out was actually good but everything else was weak as hell and, and a, if i were vince i would be having second thoughts about putting the title on yeah him. this is a so scene so i wouldn't blame him
1: yeah this was a scene with a young up and coming actor who's gotten a lot of quote unquote buzz and a legend and the legend just ate his lunch in the scene because i mean he took all the air out of that arena with that promo and i i just watched i went my god There is no comeback for this that's good enough unless he gives the angriest, most vicious promo of his career.
0: And and he, he should have been screaming at the end of it. I mean, it should have been, this is my time. Like, he basically should have been near the border of tears or perhaps even crying at the end of it of like, no, 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 I've been denied for 11 years. Everyone overlooks me. They were overlooking me. When you were getting your shine, they were overlooking everybody. It, 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 he goes on and goes on and basically loses himself at the end of it. But instead you know we got this, this, exasperated breathing.
1: Oh, man, you know what he could have done here, in my opinion, is... He's been on the verge of tears the past two weeks, three weeks. This is the moment he snaps. He 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 could actually snap at Big E and Xavier, especially if if one of them's turning heel. This would be the moment to do Can you guys stop that crap? Because I am out here after 11 years of being looked over, you know, that kind of promo. And really just hitting the table with his fist. He is so frustrated and angry. And this is the release point
0: for all or he pent- obliterates Daniel Bra- or he obliterates Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan is just looking completely flummoxed because Kofi Kingston has just felled this massive mountain of a man I rather effortlessly. Need,
1: I don't need anything physical from him, though. That that's the thing is, is we just had that with AJ and and Randy. So I'm not. I'm not as high on that. Well, as... we're not
0: we're not having Kofi and Daniel Touch here in my scenario. We're saying uh, Kofi no. knocks out Eric Rowan, but I mean Maybe any at the number end. of Maybe at different... the end. Yeah, at the end, right. Right at the end. He he sends he sends some sort of statement, but like it just it needed to be more than this and you know Woods and Big e, I, I love them, but they just have not helped this angle at all. When they're backstage tonight and Woods has the monocle on and Big E's got the quill pen because they're both, you know, the lawyers, pine. they're attorneys yes. at law. Yeah, right. And then later, Big E has cut out a hole for his chesticles so that we can see them in Kofi's eyes um, on his T-shirt. Like, this isn't helping build this guy as a serious entity.
1: You know what I needed. I needed the eleven years of frustration they've been telling me about i needed I needed Kofi to show me it and it, and they and he never did. It was another tell but don't show thing, and that will always make your stories weaker and your characters weaker.
0: yeah, yeah he's just he's an inspirational guy in a lot of ways, but this isn't this is an inspirational tale and I now wonder if he ends up getting over the hump here on Sunday. I have my doubts. Then we get to the Universal Championship and it's Brock Lesnar, the champion versus Seth Rollins. This is another story where the way they have told it, it's as though Seth Rollins has no choice but to climb to the top of the mountain and slay the beast. People want Brock Lesnar to not be the champion anymore. They have started doing the promos about how Brock Lesnar is bad for the belt, blah, blah, blah. And yet, and yet. I still have my doubts that Seth Rollins is going to beat Brock Lesnar. I think if I had to put a bet down, I'd still put it on Seth Rollins, but I would be very, very reluctant about it.
1: I watched that, and when I saw him kick Brock Lesnar in the nuts, I said, He's not winning this title. I think it's, again, unlikable babyface taking, you know, ruthless aggression, whatever. I still think there's a place for, I, I, I still think a guy that was the guy would not resort to that stuff. Roman Reigns would never kick Brock Lesnar in the nuts. He, he just wouldn't. I think they're going to change the universal title in Saudi Arabia. I think Brock Lesnar is going to keep it here. I think it's going to be a hell of a match.
0: The nut kick I, in, in mild defense of the nut kick. The nut kick is a callback to the Daniel Bryan match. And Seth Rollins is taking advantage of perceived weaknesses that Brock Lesnar has been exposed to through his matches with smaller people. I still don't like it, but like I at least saw it as a reference.
1: Yeah, I. They've been lessening and lessening the burn it down. You need to co- the title needs to come back and be defended in the company thing ever since they decided to make the move to make the women's triple threat the focus. So Seth has really been lost here. He got kind of eaten alive by Roman Reigns coming back and doing the shield thing. I just think too much fo- so much focus was taken off of him that they lost interest in Seth being the guy and he no longer feels like the guy anymore. It feels like there well there's probably somebody better out there. So I just think I think Brock wins this.
0: Yeah, I think he wins this, but I think he wins this through like weirdness. I think this is like a weird type of finish and not necessarily a clean, big, easy win for Brock Lesnar. Then we get to our main event, which is the three-way match that you were all asking for all year between Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair, a match that culminated in a go-home build of all three women in handcuffs and fighting backstage. I think you and I are going to scrum a little bit here about uh, how far our mileage went with that backstage stuff. I'll start first. I thought it had points where it was pretty good, but we spent way too many minutes in handcuffs, slowly getting ushered to the back, and then when we got into the back and there were the three squad cars, it was a bridge too far for me to buy that the cops were so stupid as to lock all the people who are fighting with each other into the same car like it just took me out of it the cops were too ponderously stupid I enjoyed Charlotte Flair hitting Ronda with that brutal brutal knee
1: I am not going to fight that necessarily I my thing is I'm tired of inept law enforcement yeah I'm tired of wrestlers being better than the law. and being, I mean, yeah, it worked for Stone Cold. We've been bringing out so many security geeks in so many angles that it doesn't matter anymore. But this also got so stupid and ridiculous in its stupidity that it became cool, which is very weird. Because, yes, you're not going to put two women in the same squad car next to each other without leg restraints of any kind. So, of course, they start kicking each other in the back seat, which was a cool visual. I'll give it that. I howled at the knee to Rhonda's jaw in the window. That said, Rhonda getting in the front seat of the cop car and being able to move it while having her hands tied behind her back. Bridge too far for me. All the breakouts of the cops not being able to handle them, not once, not twice, but three times. Got a little ridiculous. I have a little bit more respect for law enforcement, even if they are indie geeks dressed as law enforcement. I I just thought the simple build was fine. Who do you have winning this, Chris? I have Charlotte Flair winning this. Wow. Wow. Yep. I Two weeks ago, if you had told me. I thought the the final visual would be Charlotte and Becky have made up over a mutual enemy in Ronda somehow. And Bailey and Sasha come out for a group hug. I bought into that. I bought into them pushing this women's evolution is real, blah, 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 blah.
0: This is all about Charlotte, I think. Oh
1: if you had told me that before Becky was interjected in this, I think you'd be right because they want to make her a legendary star. I think Becky is still the odds on favorite here. I think you have to go through with it. You have to,
0: because you're going to have a mutiny. If you don't, and they're going to think it's,
1: but see the reason they want, would they think it'd be good heat? Yeah. And it's not good heat.
0: No, it- here's the thing though. They they learned a bad lesson from that Roman Reigns promo a couple of years ago. Remember the I'm the big dog now promo where he came out and got nuclear heat the week after or the Monday after?
1: But I'll tell you something. I 80% of me says Becky. There is a 20% in me that says Ronda beats Charlotte here. And that for a blow-off You have Becky and Rhonda at Money in the Bank. You have Charlotte and a cast of thousands for the other title. And you do the story that Rhonda never beat Becky one-on-one. Rhonda gets revenge for Charlotte for the beating at Extreme Rules or TLC or whatever it was. And you get to tell all the stories eventually, but, but... but Becky just has to wait one more month to get her moment because it's not, it's not a good enough to have that, and, and they still cater to the celebrity culture. And Ronda beating both would, would cater to that. I still hold out a good possibility that Ronda Rousey wins both titles here. But I think the odds on favorite are still Becky.
0: And my last argument for Charlotte is that five years from now, I think the visual they're going to want from the end of this WrestleMania is Charlotte Flair standing tall, holding two belts above her head in front of a crowd of 80,000 in MetLife Stadium.
1: I, I I give credence to that, but the big picture they want is when Charlotte gets title win number 17 to surpass her dad.
0: Right, 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 right. And and this would be one of those pictures along the way. That That's all I'm saying. Like, okay, she, no, she's no, a protected I, child.
1: I... You know what? I agree with that. I've agreed with that in every analysis of every pay-per-view we've done. I I think you're you you I think it's possibly correct here. I I just still think she has the least chance of winning and maybe that's why she has the most chance of winning. That that's always possible too.
0: Let us move over now to NXT Takeover. So, our Takeover preview is going to begin with a look at the NXT UK Championship. We have Pete Dunne versus Volter, as (laughs) our friend likes to say odd commentary over there, Nigel McGuinness. And I'm going to just say that I think Volter ends up winning the title here. I think that Pete Dunne has had a really solid run as champion. I think this match is going to kick ass. It's going to be stiff as hell. I think that Pete Dunne is going to get chopped into oblivion. And it will eventually end with Pete Dunn taking a big Walter powerbomb for the 1-2-3. And Walter is your new NXT UK champion, and that will be a good thing.
1: This is going to be the match of the weekend. I'm, I'm calling my shot here. I think this is going to be the match of the weekend, at least in the WWE. I, I think Pete Dunn has done fantastic for the nxt uk title and if they had ever really done anything with that especially on raw or smackdown
0: as a brand ambassador too i mean this guy has just been adding swagger whenever he shows up
1: he needed to be on a couple of these bigger shows on mainstay cable that's that's my only issue with it um because he's been carrying anything having to do with nxt uk even when NXT UK didn't exist. I understood the move to take it off Tyler Bate because they needed the change. Now it's time to get all these other guys in the mix. And I think the only way you do that is if you get the belt off of Pete Dunne. I think Walter is perfectly fine. I think Tyler Bate could be built up as the first opponent after Pete Dunne for that. Because I think it's time to build up Tyler Bate again. It's been two years. I mean, it's been two years since Tyler Bate has had a Great singles match almost, I believe. I think I'm right on my timeline there.
0: I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I think that Walter's first opponent probably will be Gallus and then when the bait yes. thing happens, first bait goes through Gallus and then gets up to Walter. Oh, I, but I think that's down I, the line here. I don't
1: I don't think I don't think Bate's getting put in immediately with Walter just to no. lose. I think No no no, to they're lose. gonna
0: rebuild him and so he's he's gonna have to overcome Gallus and and then make his way up to Walter.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm loving everything about this match.
0: No, this match gonna be awesome. I, I, I mean, we've said Walter, it's time. Um, but it's no knock on Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne's awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Pete Dunne does coming out of this. Now that he's no longer gonna have to be the NXT UK champion, and he'll have a little more free of a hand.
1: My mind is absolutely blown when I think back to Pete Dunne being uh throw in, in a bo- in bola. A few years back in Reseda, and then Walter eventually making his debut. But but now, I mean, he's such a he's such a presence. And it wasn't that he wasn't a presence before, but boy, there's an aura to Pete Dunn. I would love Pete Dunn to be turned back heel. I, you know what? In fact, I'd love British Strong Style to all go heel. Screw a turn Gallus babyface and just have just have because there is something. In in Evolve, I think it was her progress. I forgot which one it was. I think it was Orlando. But watching Dunn, Bait, and Seven all as heels is better than you'd ever think it'd be. Especially Bait as a heel. Because you just can't imagine it watching him on, on WWE television. But he's a great heel as well. But Pete Dunn, you've done yeoman's work with this NXT UK title. Now it's time for WWE to get their hands on Walter. We'll see if Walter can carry this division because I get the feeling WWE booking is always to book the giant as a giant rather than as a competent heel. If if you get my drift, he's not smart. It would be very big. interesting
0: to see how Walter's character development carries through the NXT UK universe. I don't have a real clear sense of their storytelling approach right now. And I think that's because it's a little bit ad hoc and it's hard to necessarily get a clear sense of their storytelling approach. But I'm with you. I, I, especially after watching that promo from Walter last week, I have my concerns about Walter's dialogue going forward. Yeah. Next, we have the NXT Tag Team Championship match between the War Raiders and Ricochet and Alistair Black. I am looking forward to this match. I think this match is also going to be a workhorse match. This could be a competitor for Match of the Weekend right up there with Pete Dunne and Walter. I'm not going to probably surprise anyone by saying I think the War Raiders retain here. I think Ricochet and Alistair Black are done in NXT and they're moving up to the main roster and may end up being tag team champions in the main roster as soon as Monday night, so coming out of this weekend here. But I don't think they're going to end up winning the NXT Tag Team Championships.
1: I don't either. I think this is going to be one of those great matches where, you know, kind of kind of like in the vein of DIY versus the Authors of Pain, but with much better participants in terms of veteran leadership on the part of the big guys for the War Raiders. But yeah, it's small quick guys versus big powerful guys, although damn if Rowan Hanson don't don't put out something in terms of agility, that always blows my mind. Hanson, Hanson,
0: yeah, routinely impresses me with his agility, and yeah, Rose no slouch either.
1: Um, so I, I'm thinking, though, I think there's a 10% chance they give the belts to to Ricochet and Alistair Black just to have the visual of them as champions on WrestleMania, but I don't hold too much to it. I think the story is again. They lose at NXT, they get screwed at Mania, they win on Monday. That that's and I'm gonna go with that. But I think this match is gonna be spectacular. Ricochet, of course, is gonna do something awe inspiring um in some way, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this as well. And I haven't always been the biggest fan of the War Raiders, but I am a fan of uh them on this run.
0: Yeah, I I got to see them actually going back to that show that I was talking about in Dallas uh, right after WrestleMania. The War Raiders were in the main event. So I got to see Rowan Hanson back then. But next, we have to talk about the NXT North American Championship. We have The Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle. This is an interesting match because the Velveteen Dream has just recently gotten the North American title. He's very, very new at this. He hasn't even really had a big title defense of the North American Championship. So you would think he would retain here. But my gut says that Matt Riddle is going to win the title here. And the Velveteen Dream is moving on to bigger and better things post-WrestleMania weekend, perhaps on the main roster. He might be one of the big call-ups here on Monday or Tuesday night, in no small part because they have kind of shot their load on a lot of big call-ups leading into WrestleMania weekend here. So Velveteen Dream would be one of the few big ones they have left.
1: I was thinking, and I've been watching how they've been building this Riddle-Velveteen Dream thing, and I think... I think it's time for Velveteen Dream to be reestablished as a major heel. I think he's been the playful heel that the crowd tried to turn babyface, and they did for a while, and that's all well and good.
0: He needs to cheat hard in this match. He needs to really screw over Matt Riddle.
1: Well, there is a man who used to have a stable that he'd always call the Dream Team. A man by the name of one Stokely Hathaway who is now in NXT, known as Court Moore, doing the Largo Loop and whatnot, managing guys like Baba Tunde, I think there's a very big chance that we might get a team-up between one Court Moore and one Velveteen Dream as the Dream Team. I would love to see that. It's a little fantasy booking on my part. But away from that, I think the Velveteen Dream screws Matt Riddle by cheating hard turns the fans on him denies Riddle of his big moment
0: and breaks that Riddle's way- streak and then starts gloating about it
1: yes I think I think that's the move here I think you get him away from these babyface tendencies and you have him go full dark heel again I think that's the way to go I'm picking Velveteen Dream or possibly even possibly even Riddle by disqualification but the, okay. belt does not cha- okay. but the belt, belt does, does not does change,
0: not change. Okay, and so Velveteen Dream not moving onwards and upwards after WrestleMania here. He's hanging around for a bit.
1: I think he's young enough where they don't want to put... I think they know they have There's money no rush. in this kid. They have yeah. money in this kid, and they saw what they did with Braun. They have a lot... They have a glut of guys they're doing nothing with on that main roster.
0: Hello, Bobby Roode.
1: Keep him down there until he is the best thing you have.
0: So... Then we get to our NXT Women's Championship match with Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane versus Io Shirai versus Bianca Belair. And this is an interesting little match here. Obviously, Shayna Baszler has been booked like a world beater going into this match. Fight and play made a return to television here last week, uh, putting the hurt on to people um, in that little tag team match here. I have my doubts, though, that Shayna Baszler leaves here as the champion, and I think that the person who ends up winning the championship is Io Shirai. Um, Either that or Bianca Belair. I'm kind of going back and forth between those two, but I don't think it's Kairi Sane.
1: I am of the opinion that Shayna Baszler may be on her way up.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: To take the place of Ronda when she leaves. And I think that's perfectly well and good. I am also the opinion that Io Shirai is the best person to put this belt on. Because, number one, she's strong. Number two, you have the built in Kyrie feud. She can already probably carry Bianca Belair to a great match. And Bianca needs to be in the ring with someone like an Io Shirai and a Kyrie Sane five nights a week. Um,. Have the two of them take her to Japan and do some training. there. I don't care what, but I love Bianca Belair's potential, so I want her to succeed because I think she's one of the most dominant female athletes WWE has ever had. But Io Shirai is the best wrestler in the world. She was when she was signed. Give her the title. And I... Look, I always fade one match far more than I should. This would be the match I'd fade because I'm just uncertain that the plans and the spots that they have don't take away from the actual match because I think they may try and do too much or something beyond their physical capabilities. But I love all four of these participants. I love the job they do. And I think uh, this is, again, I mean...
0: So long as there's not a lot of Shafir and Duke... In the course of this match, I think this match is going to be fine. I think, you know, you can probably draw an inverse function between the quality of this match and the presence of Shafir and Duke in it.
1: If they don't overbook this, this could steal the hype away from every other match on this card because the women's matches have had a tendency to do that from time to time. I don't know if it's going to be this one. I don't think they can help themselves. I think they have to get Shafir and Duke in here, and I think that's going to be unfortunate. But on the other hand, we've had we've had interference teased in the two-out-of-three-falls match, so that might just be a bridge too far.
0: And our main event is for the NXT Championship, and it features Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole in a two-out-of-three-falls match. The NXT title in limbo, of course, because Tommaso Ciampa injured going into this title match. So... Some speculation that Johnny Gargano might finally climb the mountain and become NXT champion here at WrestleMania weekend in New York City at TakeOver, but I'm here to tell you that that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that Adam Cole is going to win this match. The Undisputed Era is going to be involved at some point. They're going to screw over Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, baby and the Undisputed Arrow will be standing tall at the end of this takeover as your new NXT champion.
1: It's a strong call. I slightly disagree. The logic is sound. I think it depends on if Gargano is going to be on this 205 Live on Tuesday. But I think the story they tell here is a classic one of the horsemen where the horsemen come down and they screw Johnny and they beat the heck out of him on the first fall or something of that effect. So Johnny wins the first fall. Adam Cole wins the second fall. And the story is, can Johnny overcome the injuries he sustained at the hands of the Undisputed Era to finally get this monkey off his back and win in the place where it all started for him for NXT? I think you gotta belt Johnny here. I think you can't screw him again because you've already told that story with with Tommaso. I, I think Adam Cole is a more interesting choice as champ. I think there's a chance that Bobby Fish accidentally hits Adam Cole to cause that second loss, thus starting the breakup of the Undisputed Era. But I think Johnny Gargano, if he's not going to 205 Live to be the guy to beat uh, Buddy Murphy, I think he has to win the title here.
0: Yeah, and I, I sort of think that after Mania having Johnny's hands free to go to 205 Live or even take a little tripski over to NXT UK to square off with Walter, that's where the intrigue is. And NXT, now because they've lost Tommaso Ciampa, really needs the Undisputed Era as the anchor uh, of a heel faction for this show. And so that's why I'm going with Adam Cole, although I've seen compelling arguments for Gargano winning. I, I just my gut tells me you want to have strong heels coming out of this.
1: Gargano is such a fascinating thing because he's now been he's now been debuted on the main roster. But his his value was being in a package deal with Ciampa, I think, on the main roster and anything other than that, I don't. And that storyline
0: got ported onto Ricochet and Alistair Black essentially. Isn't it? they? Yes. They picked up the Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano storyline, which made more sense for them too. But yeah, to your point, it already did seem like mentally they were moving Johnny on going into this WrestleMania season. So uh, it would be interesting to me that they decided to hold fire on that.
1: That said, Chris, I don't want him anywhere near this main roster without Choppa in a program either as a tag team partner or as an adversary because I don't trust Vince McMahon. I just watched uh Ali <laughs> now one name get burned in, in a in a match that they could have saved for weeks against Samoa Joe on SmackDown.
0: No, I... I, I know you are down on the Mustafa Ali name change, but could you really imagine people getting behind Ali with a first name like Mustafa or Muhammad? I mean, really, a Muhammad Ali. Who's going to get behind a guy like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 the way you turned that around. Cause I'm going down the trip. I'm going, where's he going on this? Is he doing a Vince impression? Oh, there it is. There. No, no, that was, that was mwah, loved it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't want small guys in the hands of Vince. I just don't. It's always, (laughs) oh, we'll build him like Daniel Bryan. We'll just have him lose a lot. And then the people will get behind him. I'm like, no, I don't want a Johnny Gargano losing streak, but I also don't want him on 205 live. I would love the option of him taking on Walter.
0: Right, no, I think he would spice up NXT UK a lot. I'm almost praying for that for my own sanity. Uh, I, I think that Johnny can bring some energy and eyes to other brands that maybe need a little shot in the arm. And so that versus Adam Cole in the Undisputed era, because I sort of go... Adam Cole on his own. I like Adam Cole. I'm not like anti Adam Cole, but at this point, his value is in the units. So they they need to split up the unit and establish each one of those guys individually as values again. Um, you know, I... we, we love Kyle O'Reilly, but I think to this audience, um, if you didn't watch him on the Indies, didn't watch him in Ring of Honor, you view Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish as part of a piece.
1: Yeah, and I think they need to strengthen that unit before they weaken them again because they've just right. been beating them all over the place. I mean So, this is as why a unit, they'd be champion badass. Adam
0: Cole. This is why champion Adam Cole defending the title, you know, build them back up a little, bit, let them climb the mountain one more time, then break them up.
1: Well, you know what's great about that too is the dichotomy of You remember when when they were cutting the promos about everybody having gold except Adam Cole and then it gets turned yeah that would be adam coles the only one who has gold right that would be fantastic and roddy would be the first guy to turn (laughs) uh yeah so uh that's a supersized look at uh at uh the wwe events other than maybe the hall of fame is there anything not on a wwe card that you're interested in this weekend
0: I think I've got a lot of wrestling on my plate already between uh, Saturday and Sunday. Is there anything I should be interested in that I have between Friday uh, and Sunday?
1: I think think if you just want to break and you want to watch something stupidly ridiculous, I think Joey Janela's spring break is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if there's any dream matches that I can see that I really want to
0: Look, if I was in New York City, and it was that time of night, and I, I met up with some fun people in a parking lot before the show, Kaiju would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I was in the right mental space. You know what I'm saying, Jeff? The right mental uh, space.
1: I smoke a, a green A green mental space? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was actually the suggestion someone gave to Rich to go watch it, too. Um, I don't do that, so I can't, but I'd be drunk and then probably tired. Uh, I, you know, the ROH New Japan card is good, but I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm a little cold on it because there's not that buzz that you thought there'd be with the the elite and the AEW guys involved in it. Um, I mean, but blood, some of the gimmick shows interest me a bit. Like if I were in New York, I'd probably have gone to see like the blood sports show or, and I'd love to see Brian Alvarez wrestle. Orange Cassidy, I think that'll be fun.
0: All right, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of Shake Them Ropes. Your WrestleMania weekend preview for those of you who are going out and about in New York City. Please be careful this weekend. Make sure you keep an eye on your wallet, mind your PCQs. Don't be afraid to use an Uber. Try to hook up with somebody who knows the local area a little bit so that you're not totally lost. These are all just good tourist strategies. You can, of course, hit up Jeff and I on the internet throughout this weekend and let us know any of the cool things that are going on. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O Jeff is at C-R-A-P-G-A-M-E 13. That's Crap Game 13. My other show is Don't Worry About the Government. You can find that at Don'tWorry.TV on iTunes and on Stitcher. This show has a Patreon. We have a tip jar. You can support us. You can kick us a buck. Um, Do a little subscription due. And if you do that, then you get access to all of our premium episodes that we put out. We put out one or two of those a month. We're doing a watch-along in WCW here, probably after WrestleMania weekend. We'll be watching Super Brawl. I'm sorry, not Super Brawl. uh, Starcade, Battle Bowl Mm -hmm. 1992. Um, And the way to do that is by going to patreon.com slash shake them ropes that's patreon.com slash shake them so go sign up kick us a buck or two get yourself a membership and go and check out the Andy Kaufman episode and all the other fun archival wash along episodes that we have done
1: and if you love me you'll root for the University of Virginia to win the national title In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new, shiny star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.